Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The next Everyman Sunday Songbook celebrates the incredible story and musical legacy of Connie Francis. I sat down with Linda Kenny to find out all about it. The only song, I suppose, that if you had said to me straight away, Connie Francis, I would have said something like Lipstick on Your Collar. I knew that one. But apart from that, really, I don't as such know much about the canon of her work. And I suppose there would be people in a certain generation who would know everything about Connie Francis. Is she in danger of being forgotten? The songs aren't, but is she? Do you know, that's a very good question. I would have said there was a time when she actually became a recluse because she had a traumatic uh, experience in a hotel and it it really, she ended up suffering with her nerves, had a bit of rehab and all that. And she she came out of the public eye for about seven years. And so people thought, oh, she's gone. But in actual fact, she released an album, I think only last year or on her 80th birthday. She's still alive and kicking, yeah. And... Yes, she's one of those characters. Yes, I would I would know a couple of them, like Stupid Cupid, Everybody's Somebody's Fool, Who's Sorry Now, would have been a classic. And her first hit. But she has an unbelievable repertoire of music. She recorded in 19 different languages. She could have been a doctor. She actually got a scholarship to New York uh, University to study medicine. She was a grade-A student. Bobby Darren, the, the love of her life, uh, was a grade-A student and they were very well matched. And she, she was an incredible mimic. And so she started her career recording demos for publishers. You know, the, in the 30s and 40s, a lot of people would have written songs and they'd be trying to pitch them to the publishers. But by the time the 50s came along, when she was around as a, a young Bobby Soxer, she would, they would record on albums. So they would, you know, hire in these 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. Just, and because she was such a good mimic, she could mimic the sounds of the, the oh, singers yes. of the day. And she had that kind of ability to move within different types of music. But she would be very, very well known to a lot of people. And, and her path... And Bobby's crossed when they were late teens. He was brash. You know, when he was younger, he grew up in the Bronx. His father was in prison and his mother raised him on her own. And it was very tough going. And he got rheumatic fever when he was only, I think, eight or whatever. And he overheard the doctor saying that he wouldn't last beyond his 16th birthday. So 
you know, when when um, Connie met him first, she thought he was bold and brassy and he talked all the time and she couldn't even get a word in. And, you know, he was a grafter like her, was driven and determined. She wasn't as driven and determined. Her father was driven and determined for her and protected her like a tiger. You know, he became the kind of stage father from hell. So... They wouldn't necessarily have got on immediately. And she was recording these demos and the hope was that one of these would land and maybe she'd get to record it. But she was landing these recordings and then someone else would, you know, have the number one hit. And then she recorded a demo called Freddy, some obscure piece. And it somehow got into the hand of the executive vice president or something of MGM and he had a son called Freddie so he thought oh this is endearing and sure wouldn't that be a lovely present for my birthday for my son on his birthday so he made a record of it but it was a humdinger but as as a kind of a, a softener he's he signed her up for a 10 record deal but all the records like that you recorded they fell flat and equally Bobby Darren's pathway was the same anything he was recording and he was recording like very early on because his mother was very very poor he lived in a drawer for for some time the flat was destitute they lived in public welfare you know she literally he lived in a box first and then she took out a drawer out of the dresser and he lived in that and so he actually got a scholarship and while he was in, in school he worked his butt off in clubs and cafes and so he was recording all the time and his material was falling flat and then he started recording jingles she had started out playing the accordion and got on some talent show and was signed by this agency and quite by chance he was now signed by the same agency which is how their paths crossed but both of them were just recording humdingers that never went anywhere and then her very last recording session the father was saying, you should do this. And she was like, no. And he said, I found the perfect song. It was written in 1923. And you might as well have said 1723 because she was 16 or 17. And she wanted to be recording something from her own vintage. But the father, he ruled the roost. So she went fine. And at the end of some take, she recorded this song in one take. And it was, who's sorry now? And it went on to catapult her onto the, the, the world stage. And that was how it all happened. Up until that time, she was going nowhere and she'd actually almost accepted that scholarship to college. Amazing. Because she said, look, show business is fine. But the father's the father's theory was, you're a doctor's a two a penny. <laughs> but stars are one in a million and you're a star. But she was like, she was uber, uber talented. And even, I mean, I knew a couple of her songs and I loved the whole vibe of her. And I was thinking, God, I'd love to do something on Connie Francis. But I had no idea that there was this backstory to her. 
And like then you said, for example, Bobby Darren yeah. was the love of her life, but yeah. she was married four times. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, they started off, you know, allergic to each other. Then, as they were signed by the same agency, they ended up, you know, maybe doing recordings together. They were on shows together, and and she suddenly realised actually we have a lot more in common than we think. They fell in love. They were young. And uh, when the father found out that she was secretly having this relationship, I mean, I'm sure it was pretty innocent enough. He actually came to a recording session that they were both at and he told her, stay away from my daughter or I'll kill you. And he produced a gun and that was it. I heard her being interviewed and she was saying, you know, in my house, you know, my dad, he ruled everything. And so that was it. And he was gone. And she never really got over that. She did marry four times and he married, I think, Debbie Reynolds. And and he did die early. He died at 35. Would you believe that? Like it got to the point where the damage in his heart had become so insidious. They would have oxygen at the side of the stage, which is not a great thing to have when you're in your 20s. Died when he was 37. So he cheated fate. Oh, and you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, to die so young, but all of the music and the impact that he made in that time. Massive. Huge. Massive. And, and you know, in the interview that I saw with her, they said, can we talk about Bobby? And now she is 83. This was maybe five years ago. And she said, do I have to? My heart. And she put her hand over her heart. I suppose it was that young first love, you know, and she always, she regrets it so much. He was multi-talented, a multi-instrumentalist. He played drums, guitar, piano, and his talent was, you know, getting songs that were like around and then putting his own spin in it. But of course, you know, he had things like Mac the Knife, Beyond the Sea, Splish Splash, If a Picture Paints a Thousand Words. I mean, really dream, dream lover. Fantastic, fantastic music. And when you think about the two of them, you think about bobby socks, you think about cinched waists and petticoats and, you know, it was all upbeat. But the story is not like this seamless love story. It's bittersweet. That's one of the things that I love, though, about the great sing-along songbook. And when you do it in the Everman Theatre, the Everman Sunday songbook, is the fact that you do weave the story of all of the songs in and out of their lives and what was happening at the time, you know, like the Bobby Soxers movement and yeah. and a great team. Oh, my God. Well, I have to give huge credit to Carl McCabe because he's research on everything. It's off the charts. He manages to get rare footage of things. You're looking up, you're going, where did you find that? Like, I'm technophobic. I can do the bare minimum. And he manages to get amazing things. Puts We have a big, giant screen. And I, I really do think that has made a huge difference, you know, this interactive element to it. When we started out, we would print the lyrics. And when the sing-along section would happen, the lights would come up. And I think that breaks the magic, the spell. You know, you can sing away there and pretend that you're on the stage you know, and not actually be aware of who's around you. But when the lights come up, it kind of breaks that magic. So the big giant screen has made a massive difference. We project the lyrics, but even when we project the lyrics to loads of the songs, to be fair. But even when the lyrics aren't up there, people now know 
sing along. There is no fourth wall between us and the audience and the photographs, like the whole thing. It's it's the composite, you know. And of course, the fact that we have the same team. People emotionally invest in people. That's I've always believed. It's the sing along family. It is. Yeah. I do regard them as family. Alan Carney on piano. Sure, the girls. I get I get emails. <laughs> I get Facebook messages going. Oh my god. Who was the guy in the piano? <laughs> so Alan is our token, you know, stud. And um, we, uh, and of course, he's insanely talented. We've got Jimmy Hines on drums. We've got John McGrath guitar, Brian Highland on bass guitar. Alf McCarthy is ridiculously talented. Not only does he tell the story, there are times in, like, for example, in this one, where he, you know, we talks like this and he is telling us, like from the New Yorker side, you know what I mean? He So, and when we're doing Vera, he's from London, isn't he? And he, you know, he gives us the personal experience and he can literally move seamlessly through those different personae. And then Damien Smith, who has been with it from the start and who is brilliant at putting across all this kind of material. But what happens is, you know, there's a familiarity for the, the audience. Should we have the same audience coming and we're getting new people in and we love going to the Everyman. The Everyman is where it all started. But, you know, it's amazing to go around the country and we're doing them around the country. We're doing on Sunday afternoons, which I must say I have a big preference for. I do think Cork people love going out at night, but around the country, an awful lot of people love going out for lunch and then going to the theatre and we're getting broader age groups of different mix and it's just so lovely it's just you know a feel good factor about it it's a multi-generational experience it is it's a super interactive experience and you are truly immersed in the music the folklore the tales and the media of each era that you cover That's i mean like, who doesn't love looking at these biographies of all these amazing stars yeah. that have been the tapestry and on which so many current musical careers are built because they're taking, you know, their nod or they're, you know, paying homage or yeah. uh, they've grown from them. So I totally agree. Like I listen to what my, my kids are listening to in the radio or on Spotify, whatever that they choose. And I think these songs will not be around in three years time. You even struggle to rem- remember a song that you've heard last year. But the songs, the characters, the stories that we are fortunate enough to tell, they have a longevity that I, I can't see them ever running aground, you know. And the music is so, so beautiful. And everyone loves good music. But I really do feel like we are very privileged to get to dip into those kind of icons and their stories and to immerse ourselves in that beautiful music. I really do. And the feedback from the audience is like, they love it. You know, they've grown up with it. And it it's not just nostalgia, you know. I do think that people have, like, personal memories of these people. And, and you know, you know the way a song will just catapult you back to a moment in time? I definitely would be that kind of person. I could be in floods of tears, you know, if I hear something. Or you do have memories. But it's not even just about that. I do think it's just about having fun. And, you know, the world is such a depressing place sometimes. It's so lovely to press pause on real life and to have that moment of just sheer enjoyment.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.